All right, what's up strategy mob crew and all of you automotive professionals out there. Welcome to another episode of strategy mob podcast. Now, for all of you longtime viewers and listeners, you may be wondering who is this dashing individual and what has happened to Jason? Well, my name is Mike Sarazen, but everybody out there in the automotive world knows me as Skinny, and I've taken over as the host of the Strategy Mob podcast. If you'd like to know a little bit more about me, you can check out my LinkedIn profile and find all my socials there. So welcome, everybody. I'm stoked you could join us today. Speaking of today, we have another podcast with our very special guest, Maria Switkowska. Maria, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? And did I pronounce it right? Hey, Mike. Yes, you did. So the practice does, does pay out. <laughs> um, it is <laughs> you are right on point and I, I know it's it's complicated being eastern european and all of that but um <laughs> you did you did well <laughs> thank you thank you how are you i am doing great thank you for asking amazing amazing so uh, for all of you listeners out there who don't know your automotive background can you tell us a little bit about that uh your experience and then we're going to jump into some specifics that have really been dying to ask you um, no problem at all. So I have been in automotive for about eight years now, um, started in BDC um, as a BDC rep. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that our listeners know what the BDC stands for, but that's <laughs> a, a business development center or call center, or call it um, and whatever with each dealership. And that's how I started. From there, um, I uh, went to uh, become a team leader and a BDC manager and um, explored a little bit of a marketing, then a full uh, marketing manager role. And um, from being in dealerships for about seven and a half years, just recently, I um, started um, a new career journey, still with automotive, but on a vendor side. Awesome. Okay. So... Um, I know that you did recently just go from that dealership role to the vendor side of things. So I'm dying to know, um, you know, at that 30,000 foot view, um, what is your new position as a paid search manager and how does that work into our automotive world? So, um, and I know we had that little bit of a conversation about this stuff before we started the call, just to, just to go back. Um, when I was in a dealership and I was a marketing manager, I was able to read, um, you know, data provided by, you know, um, free service of, you know, Google Analytics and just like look at all, um, you know, all of our marketing mix uh, from all of our vendors, um, digital and non-digital through, um, through the lens of Google and kind of figure out what's working, what's not. And I was part of the calls with, you know, our agency partners um, and trying to decide um, each month what is the best way to go about um, spending money in marketing and what is the best way to get people in the door uh, for the dealership. When I went to the other side and actually started working on creating those campaigns in um, Google AdWords, um, I was able to uh, connect my knowledge from the dealership world to the knowledge that I'm acquiring now being in the agency and actually um, be an advocate for dealers, for uh, customers um, that uh, we serve as an agency. So um, um, value that I can bring to the table in the conversations with dealers is that I do now have um, both um, dealer experience and vendor experience. And I'm able to make decisions in campaign making and building that will benefit the dealer depending on what their needs are, because I know 
exactly what it means when they say we need to buy more cars or, um, <laughs> you know, our inventory is low or yeah. um, we are not getting enough calls and such. I know exactly how to turn that around, go into the AdWords and build, you know, an extension to help them to get exactly what they need. Gotcha. So with your automotive experience and now this new experience, you can really connect the dots um, from that vendor to dealer relationship, it sounds like. Yes, exactly. So it's it's helpful for um, the clients and it's helpful for me because, you know, I learned so much when I was in a dealership and now I'm learning that same process, but on the other side and um, I can, you know, see the frustrations of both, you know, agencies and dealers and i can connect them and say hold on this is just the way we talk to each other is just we both want the same thing and and on the end the end of the day it's like everybody just wants to sell cars so yeah um, for me it's so much easier to now be in this role than if i just started an agency and i worked at the dealer and didn't know what I know from the dealership. Right, right. I, I think dealers have their own language that they speak. Um, and, you know, working at the store, you know, the goals and objectives are pretty broad. But when it comes down to marketing, it needs to be more specific. So that's that's really unique that you can kind of take all that experience and now translate that into campaigns that will work effectively for the dealers. Yes, correct. And, and you know how, you know, Google works for something uh, and then and Facebook and, and most of the digital marketing, digital marketing, it, it, even traditional marketing, doesn't matter. It takes time for something to work. It takes time to build something valid, something that's going to yield the results over a long time. Um, in a dealership, though, we have something changing every single month. <laughs> and in the agency perspective, that's like almost unheard of because you cannot build something, let it run for, well, it's not even 30 days, it's 25 days. Yeah, no kidding. And then change it all over again next month. But, you know, because it's all of that and there is such thing as a machine learning in both Facebook and Google, um, people like myself coming and starting to change this faster, maybe that machine would learn that things do change on, you know, 25 to 30 days instead of a 90 day turnaround. And we might be able to see more, you know, conversion and more, you know, um, more success with the marketing strategy if, you know, I'm able to actually help both agency and the dealer. Yeah, we live in a world, uh, the automotive world is pretty unique with that. We have a 25 day uh, kind of go get them. And then it's now what, you know, it starts all over again. And I think that's very unique. I'm not sure a lot of industries have that, but I understand what you're saying from the tech side of things. That's almost unheard of. Like you, you need to, to execute, you need to test it. You need to get the results back. That takes more than 25 days, certainly. So yeah, I can see the disconnect, but it's good to know that, um, you know, yourself with that knowledge now you can you know have dealership uh, dealerships implement a little bit more patience but on the other side you might be able to streamline things on the tech sides too so that's that's really neat yeah i think so too i um i am really looking forward to um doing more work on that side and you know helping google learn with me and i learn with google <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right um so no, I got to ask you this because this is this is uh, kind of a, a, an interesting one for me because I've just stepped out of that retail side as well. Um, and I've learned very quickly a few things about what I wish I could have told myself. So now that you're out of the retail dealership setting uh, and you're now in a vendor setting, what is 
uh, one or two things that you wish you could have told yourself when you were in that retail world? Looking at, uh, you know, like we work so fast in dealerships um, and everything is always um, needs to happen right now. And the view of everything is yesterday. Um, and it's just so fast and so frustrating. Um, and then end of the day, we always kind of, um, you know, help, you know, like ourselves with our staff um, to every month have a decent month, unless there's something outside happening, like right, right now with, you know, cars not being able to be built because they're missing parts and stuff like that, but that's out of our control. Yeah. Um, but in like a normal environment, uh, which I don't even know what it is anymore, <laughs> in a normal environment, um, I wish that, you know, I can look at myself six months ago or 12 months ago, or even like two years ago and say to myself, slow down, it's okay. You will mm -hmm. still have a good month. You don't have to worry because you worry every 11th or 12th of the month will we make it is this, oh my god this is not working nobody's coming in and then by the end of the month it's all good um and i just wish that you know i can also go back and and um figure out how to um have you know my days uh planned out a little bit better instead of always being in the fire drill motion where like <laughs> it's always like just go 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 instead of like having a plan and schedule and that every day can be you know worked at as like a schedule based clothes so list based like mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and we can have like a more normal adult <laughs> you know schedule type of yeah. workload and not constantly being under fire you know what i mean so it's um it's 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 some of those little things um and on the other side, I'm really grateful for that coming from the dealership into the vendor world and working remotely because I'm able to schedule myself um, with no problem and get all of my tasks done ahead of schedule because I am coming from such a high pressure environment. So um, it's, it's it serves the purpose in both worlds. I think that um, almost everybody should at some point experience um, each side. So yeah. that way it can make it easier for everybody working together because we do have to work together. Yeah, no, it's true. And I think you made some great points, right? Like, um, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. But as as automotive professionals, especially in a management level, you're right at that 10th or 11th of the month, we start to panic. We start, you know, we start calling the month early because um, we're looking at forecast and trends and things like that. But it's funny when you kind of step back and look, you know, you don't usually have a bad month or few and far between uh, outside of the exceptions that we're going through now. But yeah, you, you usually make your month, um, whether it happens on the very last day, which we hate, or whether it happens during the last week, you know, those efforts all seem to kind of collide and come together. And then you have a month and you take a deep breath for about six hours on a Sunday and it starts back all over again. Uh, but exactly. yeah, it's really funny, you know, because now uh, you're in this this vendor world and, and you and I were talking before we started because you said, you know, today's a great day for me to work uh, and do social stuff because you have a four and a half day week. And that is something you would never hear of in the automotive world. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it must be quite an adjustment kind of going from that fast, busy fire drill pace to now kind of a much more structured, I would think, day. Exactly. And, and, and again, you know, it's valuable because um, when you're in a dealership and you are 
under that constant pressure, high pressure, um, you learn how to, you know, schedule your life and still, you know, like I think that people working in dealerships and in automotive and in general have, you know, with working 70 or 80 hours a week still have great, you know, life work balance. But now it's like, it's almost hard. It's like I have additional you know, 40 hours a week that I don't know what to do with, you know, I'm gonna, like, I have to go back to my vision board and see like, okay, what are some things that I can be working on? Yeah. And uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's a sigh of relief, you know, because I have been, like you said, you know, in, in the retail for so long that I forgot how it is to just like breathe and say, it's okay, it's going to mm-hmm. be okay. You know, so um um, I, I'm grateful for this opportunity um, with uh, with uh, PCG, and I'm looking forward to you know developing myself you know further into this role and into the company and seeing what's next. You know, so I'm yeah. uh, I'm, I'm really excited about what's coming. Yeah, no, I hear you, and uh, I, I'm on the same page as far as stepping out of retail into uh, a much more vendor side environment. So I'm exact same page with you. It's lightning. It's great. But also brings itself a little bit of anxiety with what do you do with your time? It's 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 so funny eh, when you're just trained for so long to live in that world. Okay, so let's travel back in time for a minute and let's talk about when you were a BDC manager and a marketing manager. Um, if I were a dealer now that was uh, deciding I'm going to go in on uh, digital advertising, I'm changing my ways with everything that's going on. What would be the one platform that you would recommend I would go all in on? If I was just choosing one and I was like, you know what, just Let's get my feet wet. What's the one platform you would choose? It just depends on the dealership. I would I would have to say and how much of a digital footprint they already have. So if it's somebody that had never had done dealership, they were heavily in traditional. Um, they have been, you know, like you go and you look and all they do is TV and radio ads. And now all of a sudden, you know, with digital retail itself um, and everything being online, um, if I have to pick one platform, I would definitely go with Facebook, even though like I, my main role is with, you know, Google ads. Um, I think that if you are trying to just break ice and go into digital without having a digital presence, Facebook is the way to go um, because it's so much um, less, um, it's going to take less time to build up the um you know, audience needed. You can reach out so many people um, so fast um, with the message you want. So for brand building and for just developing, um, you know, telling people who you are, where you are and why they should buy from you, it's um, 100% Facebook. And I would definitely, as a dealer, focus on getting both organic and paid um, a portion of Facebook, um, you know, optimized to 2021. Um, And Google is obviously the second most important. You do have to have both Facebook and Google, and you kind of have to have a strategy um, that will uh, work with both platforms, meaning, um, you know, you should be uh, focusing on having different campaigns running on either platform because people are on both you know facebook um nonstop, and those are your you know um lower funnel people people they're still not in a market you will use facebook to tell them that they should be in the market and then when it comes to google uh probably spend your money on you know getting them in the door so like getting them to convert 
um, directly in the either, you know, submitting the lead, calling you or coming in. So um, I think that um, if you are a dealer that you're not using digital right now, Facebook is your number one platform. If you are, you know, using it, you just have to strategize and figure out how to use both Facebook and Google in order to make it um, where your money works correctly in the digital arena. Yeah, I can I can appreciate what you're saying there because I think Facebook is that that platform that you know uh, no age bracket, no demographic really fits in there. Everybody seems to use it at some point, uh, whether they're on it five times a day or you know they're like my parents, which you know maybe once a day they log on because they're bored and then they're off. But it is certainly a space that everybody can play in, and it's not too intimidating for dealers. Um, that is uh, that is that is correct, and also you know you don't have you you have to remember that Facebook also owns Instagram and WhatsApp, uh, which you know uh, if you move out of like any area like like United States, obviously probably like the one country that uses the WhatsApp or the messaging platform the least. But if you move out. Um, as soon as you move out from like big cities and, you know, go into smaller areas, that's like what people um, use to communicate. Mm -hmm. And we know that with this move uh, into digital retail, um, meaning, you know, people are interested in buying a car online. Um, as a matter of fact, um, in a Google dealer guidebook for, you know, 2021, they say up to 68% of people um, are now willing to actually you know go and buy a vehicle online and compared Wild. to 2018 uh where only one percent of the cars were purchased online we are talking 10 percent in 2020 uh 10 yeah. is still not a lot when you look at the all sales but 10 percent compared to one percent in That's two years shift. it's huge yeah so um it's just it's, it is important that you know that all those platforms can be used um, to help you um, get the people to buy from you. You just have to know how to use them and in what areas of your business you want to use them because your strategy cannot be the same for Google, Facebook, Instagram, because mm -hmm. it's different people on all these platforms. Just like you said, there's like mm -hmm. different age groups and different, you know, buying cycle is different for, you know, different people, but, um, I, I believe that, you know, good Facebook strategy is something that is like a number one for dealers that don't have it. And you know what? We should mark our calendars. Let's meet back here in a year and let's see if that 10% has shifted up much higher. And I, I think it will because um, I think no matter who you are right now, especially in Ontario, you now have to learn how to buy things online because nothing's open. And I think that's introducing people who would have never thought to spend any kind of money online are now getting very comfortable with the add to cart. Um, and I think that in you know 2022, if we reconvene at the same date, I bet you that has pushed up quite a bit higher as well. Exactly. And, and then the digital retail platforms are getting more um, developed because you know that there was so many players. There was like, I don't know, 10, 15 players in the digital retail arena um, over the last 
uh, five years now there's like probably 50 and more coming in every single day and mm -hmm. and what's happening is you know dealers are having a choice and when they're having a choice of who to go to all these companies are competing to have you know a better software something that can actually get you to buy a car online 100 and again mm -hmm. going back to that google study like 52% of people said that they would be comfortable with never going to a dealership and getting their car delivered to their front door. And that's huge. And if dealers are not seeing that as a trend and not switching and going mm. into that direction and at least investing in some type of a digital retail, that's not an OEM, you know, pushed product that really like most of OEMs today, that whatever product that they have on their websites is, is just not what, you know, the private vendors have. Yeah. Um, you know, they are they're going to be losing out and we might have another, you know, uh, type of a closure that we had back in 2010, 2011, when all those dealerships went under because of the economy at that point. But at this yeah. point, digital retail can be something that's going to be a deciding factor and some dealers will just not make it if they're not switching their whole mindset and the process into that direction of you know digital retail yeah i i 100 agree with you all right so maria moving on um here's one of these things that's kind of a, a i won't say a sensitive subject to me but it's one of these hot topics that i love to get everybody's kind of opinion on um, and i think you're the perfect candidate to ask this question to so in your experience um, what are the advantages of having a marketing manager on staff in a dealership versus relying on the management to handle the marketing? From, you know, coming off from that role, um, I got to tell you that that's um, basically um, a number one task for any dealership. If dealerships currently right now are operating without having a marketing manager on staff, um, they need to change that at you know, immediately. Um, they need to either, you know, promote somebody or hire somebody to do just that. So this is not a BDC manager that kind of handles all the vendors. And this is not a, um, you know, your sales manager, or your desk manager, you know, just making sure that, you know, all, because there's the, there's a difference between marketing manager and like somebody just handles or manages the vendors every month. Right. Um, somebody that worries about, you know, strategy and understands, you know, how the money is spent and where the clicks are coming from and phone calls and all that data. Um, so um, the reason why it's so important to have somebody that has a background in marketing and um, knowing what they're doing in that is because most, I'm not going to say all, but most dealerships, <laughs> when they promote the roles, like you get somebody to be a sales manager, how they come to that desk is usually by, you know, being really good at sales, going into finance, and from that, they manage the dealership, Yep. which is nothing wrong with that. It's just at this point, they really don't know anything about marketing. Because sure, no, they've made that natural progression. Exactly. As a salesperson, they got their leads fed to them. As a finance person, also customers brought to them by salespeople. Mm -hmm. And then now as a sales manager, they babysit the said salespeople. <laughs> so they 
first of all, they don't know what they're doing. And second of all, they don't have time in a day to do it because mm-hmm. they are talking to customers. They're talking to salespeople. They're working with other departments like BDC and marketing if they have it. So it's really hard for somebody um, that's a sales manager, general sales manager to have time in a day to only worry about marketing and just in, in some dealerships or most dealerships, they sit down in the beginning of the month and they just write down what the specials are and they think they're done for the marketing for that month. <laughs> That's not what it is. Yeah. You have to have a strategy, you have to have a plan and you have to obviously worry about month to month because we all worry about month to month and we do have those goals to hit every month. But the marketing strategy needs to be more about that. It needs to be, you know, a 90 days, six months, a year, two year, five year plan of Mm -hmm. where do we need to be as a dealer? What is our brand? What are we trying to grow? It's not just about, you know, selling cars because you can sell cars to anybody once. I mean, you can spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on both Google and Facebook and bring somebody in for once. And then if you don't take care of that customer, if you don't get in front of them after that for service and for repeat sale, you're just going to be throwing money down the drain month after month, year after year, instead of, you know, having a strategy to work with the customers that you already sold to, to get those referrals, to get them back in service and help them, you know, gain their trust so they can come back you know, for their next car and for their cousin's car and for their best friend's car and so forth. So having that person is a must. It's just not even an option anymore, in my opinion, because somebody that knows um, and understands what marketing does um, and such, I mean, dealerships are, you know, stores, retail stores that have sales in millions. Yeah. Yet we don't have anybody that is actually, you know, like controlling our, you know, how do we get to those, you know, sales and where these people coming from and where are we spending all this money and why are we spending all this money? So just, we got, we have to, um, I mean, all that money, not all this money, this English gets best of me sometimes. Um, but you know what I mean? It's just, um, um, you have to have a educated marketing savvy person on staff that mm-hmm. their job full-time job is only marketing. Um, they also need to know about, you know, video and they need to understand what different channels of marketing are doing. So they have to be certified in Google analytics, at mm-hmm. least if not certified in Google AdWords and blueprint Facebook certified and to understand that, you know, if we are going to be spending in traditional area like radio and TV, and nowadays everybody's talking about OTT, why and when, you know, mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. understand different strategies of marketing. Are we building a brand? Are we just looking for conversions? Are we just trying to sell cars? Are mm-hmm. we doing special events? when and why and and make sure that all this money that's getting spent every single month year after year is spent wisely it's not just like thrown out it's like oh yeah we have this hundred thousand dollars a month budget and just gonna go and spend it and then next month well eh, let's do it again so yeah and you know what i mean um 
going back to the very first sales management role I had, which was, you know, I think it was 10 years ago. Um, you know, really, like you were saying, what were my roles as a manager with regards to marketing? It was making sure that the newspaper copy that they sent me, you know, everything looked correct. The used cards that we were putting on special that week were there, um, but everything else was self-served from the manufacturer. The ad set was there. There wasn't a lot of involvement. Facebook was, Facebook was still relatively new as far as being useful for a dealership other than posting up, you know, the same pictures that everybody does nowadays with the customer with their car saying, thanks for the business. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of involvement in that. So it's no fault to the owner of the, of the sales managers because all of this new uh, advertising, all these new mediums are very new for sales management who, you know, has only really dealt with manufacturers ads before, right? Repeating the same stuff that the manufacturer is saying, but adding in their dealership's name. Um, but now, like you say, there needs to be that accountability for where your money's going. Um, there's those certifications that you were mentioning that I bet you, if you told that to a lot of the managers, are you certified in Google and uh, pardon me, Google analytics or Google AdWords? I don't even think they would know that there's such a thing for some of these people. So yeah, Correct. I 100% I, I agree with you. And this is why I say it's a hot topic for me because myself as a sales manager previously, I didn't know that arena. Um, I could fake it on Instagram, sure, <laughs> right? But was I getting um, the value for the spend? Definitely not. And that's why my budget was always reflective of that. We never put a ton of money into it because we didn't play in that world. If a dealer wants to play in that world, which that's increasingly becoming a theme, a marketing manager is really, I think, like you say, the only way to go to make things accountable and um, the most effective for the goals and objectives of that dealer. Yeah. And then and this person is, like I said, it's, it's somebody that is just the marketing background person, somebody that's not there to work on a commission, somebody that does not have another job, somebody that their only job is to be creative and knowing how to manage that budget. Because let's face it, that budget for a lot of dealerships is significant every month. And, and it's increasing. Spent, and it's increasing. And if it's spent correctly, I mean, we can have, we can, we can see all these stores that are selling, you know, 50, 7,500 cars a month go into, you know, 400, 500 units a month with the same exact budget if it's spent differently and smartly. That, that's all that it is. You just have to know where to find the people that are your buyers yep. and um, get in front of them with that ad. Because like you mentioned before, with the newspaper ads and with the TV ads, you knew that people were home and watching TV mm -hmm. and getting their mail, um, you know, every morning. Um, mm -hmm. Or getting their newspaper every every Sunday, but nowadays those same people. So it's my and your generation and 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 our children. Um, you know they watch everything on demand, so yeah. they would want to buy cars on demand as well. Yeah. yeah, that means that you know we have to serve them ads on demand. <laughs> Simple <laughs> That's as correct. that. That's you correct. So. Yeah, you, you nailed it on that point. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's let's kind of shift onto the BD side of operations. Cause I know you have a, a pretty diverse background there as well. So one of the challenges with the BDC I know is hiring and um, maintaining that kind of elite level of staff. So 
if you were looking to hire uh, for a BDC position right now, what would you say is the number one trait you would look for for a candidate? And how do you think that would uh, uh, effectively translate into a good BDC agent? Customer service, number one. So okay. like I would, um, and, and this is something that, you know, I have been hiring like that for past five years, which most of the industry is now switching to that mindset. Um, they were trying to hire uh, people um, out that are competitive, they're future salespeople, people that are trying to just make that commission and um, say whatever they need to say on the phone, learn quick, quick script and just get them in um, and not focusing on actually helping the customer uh, make that decision and, and build that relationship even before the customer is handed off to a salesperson or a sales manager. Um, so I, since the day I was able to actually hire my own agents, I was looking for people that excel in customer service first. And obviously I was looking for competitive people and people that are willing to, um, you know, make as many calls as needed and, you know, send emails and set appointments and everything because that is the job. But I was looking for people that are genuine and nice and um, in and in industry currently, if they were not coming from automotive, that is, you know, customer centric. So other retail environment or, you know, restaurant industry um, usually like works out really good because um, they're able to talk to different type of a customer because, sure. you know, in the dealership, lots of time customers call and they're upset. Yep. Um, lots of times they call and they're confused and yep. <laughs> sometimes they just don't know what they want. And, you know, you have to have this person that understands that when taking a phone call and is able, you know, to switch their personality to match or mirror the customer. And yeah. you cannot get that with somebody that's in it just for the money. Um, not that that's wrong, that's great for some people, but put them in sales, get them selling cars immediately because mm -hmm. they're going to leave BDC anyways in six months, as soon as the sales position <laughs> opens. That's a great so, point. You know, like you, because they're going to be hungry. They're going to be hungry. Their base salary of whatever, you know, like not even minimum wage per hour, uh, plus the commission you know, once they feel that they can make much more as a salesperson or a service writer, they're going to be gone. And you're going to be faced with hiring and training somebody every four to six months in BDC, mm -hmm. which is not going to serve the purpose of what BDC is. And it's called business development center, meaning, you know, the processes need to be changed and the cadences of responses and what we say on the phone and what we say in the email. But you can't do any of that as a BDC manager if you don't have right people working in the department. Yeah. And if you constantly have to act as a BDC agent as well, because you never have enough people. So yeah. I think we need to switch our mindset and stop hiring competitive first. But okay. customer service first, competitive second. Okay, now let me throw you a curveball. Um, and this can be a yes or no question, but uh, do you think a dealership can effectively run a BDC by using their sales team on, uh, for example, like maybe a split shift where, you know, from nine to one, 
they're on the sales floor from one to four, one to five, they're in the BDC making calls. Do you think that can be effective? Because I know there are some dealerships out there that are trying this. Um, and I, I, I want your opinion from someone who's kind of been well-rounded. Do you think that that's an effective strategy? Do you think that could work? Again, yes or no, or you can elaborate if you like. Um, I think it can be done, but um, if you have a most of the people, there are salespeople currently that have at one point worked at BDC or did the BDC work. The reason why I'm saying that is it's, it's so hard and there's so much coming at you. And, you know, nowadays we have managed chats and we have, you know, text and messaging options. They're managed by outside companies and the whole BDC department can be outsourced. So with right training and right process, yes. Uh, right now, most of dealerships, no, because let's face it, lots of dealerships still have people that have been selling cars for 30, 40 years now. And they will not respond to leads, period, no matter how much you train them, because it's just how they are. Yeah. Um, but if you have a dealership in which most people are coming in, you know, or start coming into the industry in the last five years or so, I, I see that you can have a floor that can do A to Z quite successfully, especially with the fact that both phone calls and the lead forms have been going down for past probably five, six years, every year, less and we get less leads and less phone calls because people get their research done, mm -hmm. learn what they need to learn and they come in. So I think, <laughs> yes, so yes, I think, yes, you can, but it will take a lot of process, a lot of training and a lot of accountability on both management and salespeople. And in order to get it done correctly, or you're just going to miss out on a lot of customers because they're still out there. There are customers out there that want to only speak through yeah. email or, yeah. you know, text and they don't want to be bothered by phone calls and everything. So you need a different sure. skill set kind of a person. So yes, it can be done, but it will take a process and it will take a lot of training, but yes, it could be done. Okay. So that's actually a good transition. Um, so if you ran a dealership as a general manager right now, right, let's fast forward Two months from now, uh, uh, Toyota Star calls you and says, we want you, you're the general manager. Um, what role would your BDC play in the store um, in relation to your goals and objectives? Like, what, what would that look like for you as, in an ideal world, I guess? In an ideal world, and, and I almost had this at, at, at my last job when I ran a BDC, uh, BDC is part of the team. There is no need to have this uh, this part of, of this department being somewhere upstairs or in a corner or in a basement or something even worse, they're part of the team. <laughs> um, and they, the manager, the BDC manager and the, um, you know, the team members need to be on the floor, just like with salespeople. So they can communicate about every opportunity, you know, clearly and like they're next to each other, they can hear what other one is saying on the phone to the customer and so forth. For the BDC manager to be able to sit at the same desk where the sales manager is so they can understand what happens with the deal A to Z. And for the sales manager to understand what happens with the BDC department and 
what are the goals and how many calls and why do we have to make so many calls and why do we have to send so many emails and what is the response rate and what is the close rate? What is the show rate? All of that daily. Right. Only in that environment can the dealership, you know, be successful and have a good working BDC department is when sales manager and BDC manager can work together as two desk manager, each, you know, managing their own department, but managing it as one team. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And actually, um, I quite like what you're saying. What I visualize there is, is, you know, a BDC team working in connection with the sales department, understanding how, you know, when they book an appointment and then that customer shows up, that handoff to that salesperson is smooth because, you know, that BDC agent did a great job making an introduction, uh, working with the sales manager. It's like the heartbeat of the dealership is all in one area rather than, like you say, them being kind of in the dungeon somewhere and the sales team having no idea who they are. Uh, the sales managers only, you know, communicating probably through email um rather than doing that have them all kind of centralize it and and understanding that uh that environment i think that's a that's a fantastic idea and and my last position um i had you know myself and the girls um girls because usually bdc is mostly girls not, nothing against boys here uh let's be politically correct but um you know we were on the floor with the salespeople, and we were able to transfer the phone calls live when we were stuck so instead nice. of you know like hanging out hanging up on the customer and saying i'm gonna call you back which at that point you are almost you know you have a 50 50 chance of never hearing from that customer ever again if you hang up so uh, we were able to you know hey we have an escalate question that you know i i don't know everything about every car Mm -hmm. um, I don't know everything about, you know, like every way the payment works. I am not like a finance professional to know how the credit works and, you know, right. what is the difference between lease and buy. But if I have somebody that sits literally in front of my desk, all I do is just the regular, you know, like a classic TO that you do with, you know, a live customer as a sales manager, you do it now as a BDC agent to a salesperson. And you put somebody on hold and you say, hey, you know, Aaron, I have such and such. They're looking to get a bench instead of a captain chairs and an escalate. Is that possible? Mm -hmm. And they also have questions about financing. You know, they have like two dogs and blah, 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 blah. Take it over. And then mm -hmm. the salesperson goes in and say, hey, I work with Maria, you know, um, I was uh, I was looking forward to building you that escalate perfectly. I understand that it's important for your dog to be able to transfer it on a bench instead of like hanging up, putting all yeah. that in notes. The salesperson doesn't read the notes. Somebody comes in and they're like, we'll make escalates with the bench. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you, know uh, what, you know what I'm getting? So, I like, do. It can I do. Be done. You just need a process yeah. and you need to have that understanding that we can run both departments simultaneously, but work and run the whole dealership as one team. I I agree, and I like the idea, and I've you've painted that picture in my head, and uh, uh, I would love to see more and more dealers try to kind of execute on that strategy. All right, um, so let's let's kind of connect the dots from what we've been talking about from you know the marketing side 
to the BDC side. Um, and let's kind of pull it all together here. And I'm going to give you this, this last question for you. Uh, if you have a marketing manager on staff uh, who's aligned with the goals and objectives for the sales and service department, because we don't want to forget service, of course, um, you, you have this marketing manager on site, on staff with your store. Uh, you've got this rock star BDC. How can the two collaborate to really kind of bring it all home uh, for the dealership? So uh, for marketing manager and BDC managers, some stores, you know, like my store, that was the same person. So for me, it was easy <laughs> because I okay. collaborated with myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in, in an area which, you know, like we are moving into that direction where, you know, we're going to have a separate person for a BDC manager and a marketing manager. Like I said, more dealerships are getting um, you know, turned on onto this idea of having that separate person to only do marketing. And I'm really happy for it. So when you have two people, um, they need to work again uh, on everything, if not daily, but then uh, meeting every, you know, couple of days, like two or three times a week uh, where the marketing can go to BDC and say, hey, this is what I am running on Google and this is what's happening on Facebook and this is the pictures that we ran and this is the videos that we're sending. This email just went out to everybody that has not, you know, um, that skipped their last oil change with us. Apparently they went somewhere else, but the email went out to 10,000 customers more than likely. From this phone number, we're going to get I don't know, about 100 to 200 calls in next, you know, three to four days, be ready. To which BDC manager can say, great, let me get to the team. They go and go in front of their team and say, hey, listen up. The calls from this phone number are coming. These are people that have skipped their last oil change. So when you answer the phone and they say, hey, I saw the email about oil change, you're ready. And you know what to say. And so great, welcome back. Instead <laughs> of saying like, what oil change? I don't know what you're talking about. We don't have a right. $10 oil change. Yes. So yes. that type of communication and that, that type of camaraderie between marketing and the BDC. And um, BDC then manager or the team can go to marketing person or if there's a department even better, they can have a monthly meeting or like a bi-weekly meeting in which they can discuss. So the the BDC agents are the ones that are receiving all that. They're getting mm -hmm. the chats, they're getting the phone calls, text, email leads, everything with the questions. And then they say, hey, this is what people are asking about. They're asking if we can do this, or people are asking about this, or people are upset about this. So then the marketing manager can say, hey, well, you know, if they're asking about, you know, uh, a Toyota RAV4 instead of, um, I don't know, like a Highlander, let's not focus on a Highlander so much in our ads. Let's let's push the RAV4 or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Or if we are talking, you know, luxury brands, you know, like, you know, usually you think like, well, my main competitor is, um, you know, like for, for example, for Cadillac, you're thinking, well, my main competitor is, is Lincoln. But then you have all these calls and everybody's asking about X5, which is a BMW. So right. now you're like, well, let me switch the strategy and, you know, advertise against, you know, Conquest, the BMW customers for, you know, Cadillac instead of like chasing this Lincoln people because 
it doesn't matter. They have a discount. They're going to go with mm-hmm. Ford anyways. <laughs> but BMW and Audi people are your people because right. they don't have that, you know, brand loyalty. Like, right. you know, Lincoln people have. So you learn from each other. And as you learn from each other, you get better at, you know, marketing and better at spending money in the right places, meaning you're getting more quality traffic. And when you get more quality traffic, you get more appointments, more appointments, ends up in more shows, more sales. It just makes sense. So it's just like, it's a very simple problem of just communicating with each other. Yeah. So for what it sounds like to me, what you're saying is, is that BDC agent, uh, that team can give the uh, more instant feedback to the marketing uh, department. So that way they can understand, uh, you know, very quickly what the calls are coming in from what ads are coming are working um what the feedback is versus waiting for all of that to trickle down to the sales floor and then having that information relayed uh you know maybe only when the customer arrives at the dealership from the sales floor's feedback which i'll be quite honest with you having a salesperson track where that customer came in from that source button is almost virtually never used or is it accurate um it's no, always I think auto I, trader yeah, it's a, <laughs> auto trader or the website. That's it. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Because that's the first one on the drop down in CRM. <laughs> that's, that's right. Because it starts with A. You're make. right. <laughs> that's yes. so true. Uh, but yeah, I no, I think Amazon the, once as my, oh my source. Yes. How I many times Amazon were Amazon? My, yes. And all the leads that month, all the walk-ins that month came from Amazon. And I was uh, like, this is awesome. <laughs> well, there's a good test for you, right? Yeah. But no, I, I think crazy. that you're you're very correct. If the BDC is handling the intake of leads, phone calls, etc., they're the best people to immediately give that feedback back. And like you say, I like the idea of, you know, whether it's daily or weekly or biweekly, whatever that schedule looks like, that information can come back to the marketing team so then they can make uh, their adjustments based on that feedback. And that's usually accurate feedback, let's face it. Um, versus letting it trickle down maybe three weeks later to a sales flow. That, that's really great. Um, I think that that kind of uh, strategy certainly does make sense. Yeah, because end of the day, we are all there for the same reason. We are trying to either sell cars or we are trying to service as many vehicles mm-hmm. as possible and have good reviews. Mm-hmm. And all that can be tied into just all of us working as a team and talking to each other and you know, lots of times you can learn so much from each other where you don't even realize I, I would spend like a half a day a week or something in a service drive um, outside of the BDC and everybody answering the phones. And I learned so much about how frustrated the service riders can get mm-hmm. from, you know, BDC transferring the phone calls that were not for service riders. They were supposed to be, you know, transfer to receptionist to just schedule an appointment sure absolutely and there were not questions about you know the open repair orders and stuff and 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 we all know that you know usually service providers have a a problem with answering phones for some reason they're scared of them (laughs) but (laughs) um it's just like it's important to learn the other part of you know the dealership of the operation it's important to you know, go in and listen to on the OEM calls because OEM calls or manufacturer calls to the sales and to service sound completely different. Mm-hmm. And it's important to know what the manufacturer is pushing. And, and, and you know, like 
if in a BDC you're sitting there and you're answering all these calls and leads and your marketing manager is like the best there is out there and they tell you this is what I'm running and this is only on, you know, loaner cars and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, all of that perfect. Next thing you know, the manufacturer can just like blindside you with like <laughs> yeah. some ridiculous TV ad. Yeah. But, you know, like this kind of stuff when brought to agents on time, they don't get half as frustrated on the phone as they would if the customer calls and is just screaming that they cannot get a hundred thousand dollar truck for five hundred dollars a month. And, and let's face it, though, like, <laughs> you, you know? know, if you think the BDC agent's frustrated, imagine the customer calling in. Right? Exactly. I oh mean, way to lose yes. momentum. Yes. And it's so important to make sure that the customer understands all of this. And like when they come and call and they're upset, the worst thing you can do is say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about instead yeah, of trying it, to help. And it's this a momentum is going killer. Back to my point of customer service. Yeah. This is going back to my point of, of having somebody in a customer service type of, you know, mindset answering yeah. that call. Yeah. I, I think it's a big momentum killer. Um, you know, it's unfortunate because that marketing team put, you know, the effort into the research and executing things like that. It's, it's obviously working, it's driving customers to either chat or the phone or email. And then if the BDC doesn't know that that promotion was running, the customer's experience is, do you guys not talk? And quite frankly, they usually don't. And that's what the problem is, right? And that, that's a big momentum killer. So yeah, I, I think, you know, as we discuss this, I'm hoping that our listeners can really understand clearly that the marketing has to be communicated to not only the sales team, but to your BDC team. So that way, that flow of communication and that experience for the customer isn't interrupted, isn't confused, and isn't frustrating. And I, I think that's a that's a really fantastic point. Yeah, and, and if you have a BDC agents that know that marketing plan, that know the special, that know the um, you know the calls or the email or everything that's going to be coming through, they're going to be more ready to respond. They're going to respond more accurately. So when the customer comes in, they're going to have that experience of you know, because we are all striving to have the same experience online and for that Mm -hmm. experience to match the dealership. And that's like one of the biggest customers frustrations is like they never get the same response, you know, from the time they were speaking to somebody online or on the phone and the time they come into the dealership. But now if we do have this department and we have to have it, Mm -hmm. you know, if we cannot get our salespeople to act as BDC, and to have like one person do A to Z on like every lead, if that's not possible at this current state of the market is not, um, then let's do something about it. Connect yeah. all departments together and make sure that the customer gets taken care of. Because like I said, it's very expensive to keep trying getting new customers every month. It's very yep. expensive. It- is it ever? And, you know, as we talked about kind of the beginning of the show, that transition from customers, um, you know, expressing that their willingness to buy online is increasing. And if our online experience doesn't match um, that next step for someone who maybe isn't ready to buy online or, or maybe can't because of that dealership or manufacturer, we definitely want to keep that flow going so that it's not such a it's not a letdown from, you know, uh, that experience. And, and that's the only way that that number will increase 
uh, with people getting comfortable purchasing online is having that online experience translate to a great in-store or you know uh, communication online experience. Exactly, I I hundred percent agree. Um, and in buying cars online and, and, you know, dealerships are scared because there's like so much talk about this whole thing going online and, and people being able to buy directly from a manufacturer. And you know that most people working in a dealership, they have been working like me and you there for a while. Mm-hmm. And that's all they know how to do. And, 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 and they're scared and, and they have a right to be scared. But that's, again, coming from the you know, not being educated enough of how this can all be changed with just a simple process implementation. Yeah. Um, and it's it's all about, you know, that additional training and, you know, going in and changing that process and making sure that, you know, when somebody comes into a dealership and it doesn't matter if they talk to a receptionist, or if they run into that marketing director running around like a headless chicken, <laughs> or like they run into like a service Friday, they get the same information about yeah. everything. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I totally. Because when you go to Apple, every single person in Apple, it doesn't matter if they're somebody that can fix your phone, open it up, and mm-hmm. you know, like do whatever and fix your phone, or is somebody mm-hmm. that's just greeting you at the door, or is the security guard? They all have the same information about everything yeah and they're wearing the apple shirt this is yes this is our process and this is how we do it and you're like well you know i just went there and they're like yeah we we change our processes appointment only i'm like i know what i want and they're like doesn't matter this is our process (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) you know what i mean a hundred percent the car dealerships if they're going to be building a brand and that's like the focus seems like lately Mm -hmm they need to get on the apple board yeah they need to make sure that everybody working at you know uh abc toyota of ontario mm-hmm. speaks abc toyota of ontario every time the customer walks in calls or submits a lead i i couldn't agree with you more all right maria thank you so much this has been amazing you have dropped so much knowledge i hope our listeners are just super excited to get this and maybe start implementing some of this back at their stores. So I want to thank you. We've got a minute and 30 seconds left and I want to leave you with that time to tell everybody listening how they can connect with you if they'd like to chat with you some more. Um, So what's your socials? Where can we find you? So, um, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn um, under and and I'm sure that you will share my LinkedIn profile and uh, yes, I will. Uh, you know, this, uh, this podcast. So that's the best way to get in touch with me, with me uh, on a professional level. I do have, you know, Facebook and Instagram, but I use it mostly for food pictures. So don't, don't find me there. <laughs> uh, LinkedIn is where you find me for automotive. Um, okay. And um, LinkedIn message works the best and the phone number can be next and we can go from there, but I'm here okay. to help. Um, any way I can, you know, dealerships and vendors and salespeople, BDC agents, marketing managers, anybody that's interested in talking to me about, you know, their, you know, career and, um, you know, how to make the best out of it in this crazy automotive world. I'm 100% open to help. All right, Maria, thank you so much. Uh, Strategy Mob, I hope you guys enjoyed my debut podcast. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Take care, happy operations and happy selling.